bullpen with a little insert. And um, this is my bu big push for operation contact. You saw the audit report here early enough. You saw the uh, testimonies of, of folks who have uh, uh, served in operation contact. This is a church-wide effort. We have child care uh, in the morning through the afternoon. Um, sign up in the nursery if you can. If you show up, we're going to take care of your children up through fifth grade. And then sixth graders and above, we go over on campus and uh, we move students into the dorms. We have been doing this. This will be our 29th year doing this. UT historically has towed students at orientation. Calvary Baptist Church is coming to help you move in. And now other churches have joined us and we uh, have a great impact. Come help as much as you can. Um, you don't have to work all day. Uh, but please come help as much as you can. Uh, we'll give out Cokes. We'll move stu uh, students up into their dorms. The details are here. You can go ahead and buy a T-shirt today out in the foyer. Gina will be out in the foyer uh, behind the table. They're $5. If you don't have your $5, grab your shirt and pay later. We, uh, this is such an incredible ministry. It's rain or shine, so those are the details. Uh, I can't tell you what an impact this has, uh, so that's that. Um, I am um, so blessed that Matt's here today. Such good memories. Matt, you still got that BMW, that old BMW? It died. Oh, I, I, yeah, I remember that one. We remember taking it to the mechanic. Um, brought a puzzle today. And uh, to start things out, we're going to be talking about Samson today. And this is a little puzzle. You know the ones where you take out the little pieces and you put them in? Well, this is kind of a type of puzzle uh, I was working uh, a couple weeks ago. Let me explain. Uh, I was, uh, it was my community group's turn to help with the nursery. And we're going to be kicking off community groups in just a few weeks. And, 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 and so I was watching five-year-olds. And in the, with the five-year-olds were, um, let's see, there was uh, Audrey Inger was in there. There was uh, Katie Brantley. So Katie and I were working a puzzle. And, uh, and I got permission from her mom to share this story. And she is so sweet, so sweet. You know how sweet a child is. And so we're working the puzzle, and it has a little cutout where the pieces go. And, you know, here I am, uh, fairly educated, uh, been around, and I am just, like, struggling. And finally, bless Katie's heart, she reaches over, grabs the piece out of my hand, and she goes, just let me do it. I love that little girl. So I got, got through that episode, and then I looked on, and they had all these, like, little characters, not caricatures, but paintings of biblical stories. So Audrey took all, all the whole gang, followed me and Tommy around, and we went around to the wall, and they were saying, well, that's, you know, Adam and Eve, and that's, that's you know, that's uh, Abraham, and all these kind of characters. And then, man, they knew them. They knew them. And all the famous paintings, you know, of all those paintings that I think that of the different individuals, I believe Samson would be one of those people listed because he is probably one of the most colorful characters in Scripture, but also one of the most confusing because here he is, one of the judges in uh, Israel because you had the patriarchs, that was the... Abraham and different guys there early on. And then you had the kingdom that started in about the 10th century B.C. And in between were these judges. And so we're going to talk about that. Now, today I'm being very ambitious because there are three chapters in the Bible about Samson. 
And I'm preaching only today, so we're going to cover three chapters. We're going to be like an airplane. We're going to take off, we're going to land on a scripture, and we're going to talk about it, and then we're going to all load up in the plane and go up and come down on another scripture, and you need a Bible. So look around, find a Bible, or get your phone out, or pay 99 cents and get a scripture on your iPhone. You need a Bible. Now, we're at last resort, we're going to put it up behind us, but I think your neck's going to get it, because we're going to cover a lot. The sound guys... Uh, kind of said, wow, you're covering a lot of scripture today. And I go, yeah, because Samson, it, this is a one-time shot. So that's where we are today, all right? So I hope you'll, 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 you'll be with me and, and follow along because I think you'll get a lot more out of it if you're looking at the scripture as we go, go through. We're going to let the Word of God just really speak to us today. So uh, let's, let's get started. Now, I'm going to do a little background first. Uh, Israel was in a a place and a time in their history in a very cyclical sin. Uh, Israel would sin, and then hardship would be brought on Israel as punishment from God. And then Israel would cry out to the Lord for rescue, and God would send them a judge and rescue them. And if you go through the book of Judges, where the judges were uh, each from a different tribe of Israel, they were chosen by God to rescue God's people from their enemies. And Samson is the 12th and last judge. And he lived in the 11th century B.C. And he was 50 years before the monarchy started with King Saul. So that gives us a little bit of background. So we're going to begin with the birth, the birth of Samson. Go to chapter 13 of Judges. And we're going to read the first 12 verses. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Here's that cycle. So the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. There was a certain man of Zorah of the tribes of the Danites whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no, had barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you have, are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, be careful uh, and drink no wine or strong drink or eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Let's stop right there and talk about what is this Nazarite thing. A Nazarite was any woman or man they could take a vow to be a Nazarite, to separate himself or herself to God. It was voluntary and usually for a limited time. And there were three provisions. Abstinence from wine, strong drink, or anything associated with the vine. No, no cutting of the hair and no contact with the dead. You need to remember all three of those. Those are important. They're going to come back later. The difference here is that God was calling Samson to be a Nazarite for a lifetime. And that's the verse of the key, of the key. all right? Well, let's continue on in verse 6. Then the woman came and told her husband, a man of God came to me, and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God. Very awesome. I did not ask him where he was from. and did not tell him, uh, he did not tell me his name. But he said to me, behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, so then drink no, uh, no wine or strong drink or eat nothing unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb uh, to the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come again to us and teach us what 
uh, we are to do with this child uh, who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah. And the angel of God came again to the woman as she sat in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. So the woman ran quickly and told her husband, Behold, the man who came to me uh, the other day has appeared to me. And Manoah rose and went after his wife and came to the man and said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And, and he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now this is really where I want you to hear Aaron on. Now when the words came true, what is, now when your words come true, because we know they're going to come true, get this, I want you to underline this. What is to be the child's manner of life and his mission? What is to be his manner of life and his mission? You know, every time that we are blessed with a child, maybe a child that comes into our family, we're the parents, or a child enters this church, we are blessed and we have a responsibility to care for that child. But I'm here to say that each of you also are blessed with the same two things that this angel talked to Manoah about. That is, each of you are blessed with a manner of life, with the potential to live a godly manner of life, but you also have a mission. And the more you pour into your manner of life with godliness and self-discipline and saying no to sin, the more, it's almost like a scale, the more you pour into saying yes to God and no to the enemy, the more your mission for God is going to rise to the glory of God. So that's, that's where we are with this. So, uh, that's where we are. He's born. He says, his dad being a godly father says, what manner of life and what will be his mission? So that's his birth. Now we're going to over to Samson's exploits. Samson was such a colorful guy. And uh, we're going to skip over to chapter 14 and dive right into the deep end of the pool. Verse 1. Samson went down to Timnah. And at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Notice the tone here. Hey, I'm interested, Dad. Mom, what do you think? No, it's none of that stuff. It's now get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of the relatives or among all the people that you must go to take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. Her father and her mother did not know that it was from the Lord, for he was seeking an, an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. Now, I want us to stop right here and talk. The parents objected properly. One, marriages, marriages to unbelieving foreigners was forbidden by... So, we see Samson here being very, very self-seeking. He demanded his own way. And we see early on that even though he is a going to be a, a judge of, of Israel, his manner of life was weak because he began to demand his own way. But then in verse 4, it's curious because he says that this was from the Lord. 
how do we reconcile this? Man, I think the only way, and as I've read commentators and looked at this, Samson was in rebellion, and he was seeking his own way, but God was going to use him in spite of himself. In spite of his own self-seeking, God was going to use him. Let's go on, picking up in verse 5. Then Samson went down with his father and mother to Timnah, and they came to the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, a young lion came toward them roaring. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed on him. This is one of three times we're going to see that phrase. The Spirit of the Lord rushed on him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as, he as one tears a young goat. But he did not tell his father and his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and she was right in Samson's eyes. After some days, he returned to take her, and he turned aside to the carcass of the lion, the dead lion, and behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. And he scraped it out of his hands and went on eating as he went. And he came to his father and mother and gave them some to him, and they ate. But he did not tell them that he had scraped it from the honey, the honey from the carcass of the lion. Why? Because it was dead. He was a Nazarite. And remember number three, you're not supposed to touch anything dead. So not only is he a person that demands his own way, he is a person that puts his appetites ahead of God's call on his life. Let me ask you a question. Do you demand your own way or do you seek God's way? Do you, when it comes to an appetite, you say, well, boy, she sure is right in my eyes. Or I sure do want to do that. Or I want that substance because it's going to make me feel good. It's going to make me forget my pain. So what if I compromise a little bit? What if I compromise a little bit? It's not going to be that big a deal. It is a big deal. Because you are compromising your manner of life. So your mission for God is compromised. So... That's where we bring, come to. Let's, let's jump over to chapter 14 now. And, well, actually, we are in chapter 14, but as the, as the, I'm going to kind of fast forward a little bit through this. That at, So he has this, this honey, he gives it away, but then he goes to his wedding uh, festivities. He, he meets the girl, and then they, they, they have a relationship, they, he it begins to refer to her as his wife. And they go to the wedding festi uh, party, festivities, and as they're there, there's 30 attendants that the Philistines give him. So there's, there's 30 men, there's kind of like the bridal party, and he bets 30 Philistines that they cannot solve a riddle that involves the honey that, he came, that came out of the lion. They bet 30 sets of clothing. So he makes a riddle based on this honey that came out of the lion. And they say, okay, here's the riddle, and if you get it, I'll give, you, I'll give each of you a set of clothing. And they say, okay, but, you know, that's fine, and if you win, we'll give you 30 sets of clothing, so you're going to have a great one. So the 30 Philistines cannot solve the riddle, so they go to the Samson's Philistine wife, and tell her that she must trick Samson into telling her the answer. And in verse 14, if you look down there, they, they threaten to burn her and her father's house if she doesn't. 
So she gets the answer, tells the 30 men, and they in turn go to Samson and solve the riddle. And let's pick it up in verse 18. And the men of the city said to him on the seventh day, that's how long the bet was, before the sun went down, what is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? So they solved the riddle. And Samson said to them, I love this, if you had not plowed with my heifer, isn't that a great thing to call your wife? If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would have not found it out. And the Spirit of the Lord the second time comes upon him when he went down to Ashkelon and struck down 30 men of the town and took their spoil and gave the garment to those who, who had told the riddle. And in hot anger, he went back to his father's house. Did you see what happened here? He goes, you want 30 pairs of clothes? I'll get you 30 pairs of clothes. Oh, you got friends and family over in this city over here? He goes over and just strikes them down, takes their clothes, brings them back and says, here's your clothes. Can you imagine some of them going, you know, I got a cousin that has that same outfit. Crazy. So we see the spirit coming upon him and, and doing a mighty work. But notice this next one. Guys, we're just entering TV in the afternoon. Look at this. In hot anger, he went back to his father's house, and Samson's wife was given to his companion, who had been his best man. What is going on here? He goes back, and his wife is now given to his best man, and he has said, what in the world? is going on, and he is pissed. And you don't tick off a man like Samson. And then we pick it up in chapter 15, and it says that, uh, that, that as the story continues, uh, let's begin in chapter 15, verse 1. After some days, at the time of the wheat harvest, Samson went to visit his wife with the young goat. And he said, I will go into my wife's chamber. But her father would not allow him to go in. And his father said, I really thought you, would, uh, you utterly hated her. You know, look, she gave you up. She gave up the riddle. So I gave her to your companion. Is not her sister more beautiful than she? Please take her instead. And Samson said to them, this time I shall be innocent in regard to the Philistines whom I, when I do them harm. And so Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took torches and he turned them tail to tail and put a torch between each pair of tails. And when he had set fire to the torches, he, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and set fire to the stacked grain and the standing grain as well as the olive torches. And the Philistines said, who has done this? And they said, Samson, the son-in-law of the Kimonite, because he has, he, he, he has taken his wife and given her to his companion and the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. The threat, what's interesting here, the threat, the Philistines was I'm going to burn you and I'm going to burn your father's house. Then when the reality came, when the reality came they burned her and they burned her father. The consequences are always worse than what anything we can imagine. And Samson said to them, if this is what you do, I swear I will be avenged on you, and after that I will quit. 
As the story continues, Samson's attacked the Philistines in some way in verse 8. Then he goes into hiding. However, the Israelites who are under his Israelite, the Israelites are under the Philistines, and the Philistines go to the Israelites, and the Israelites are like, whoa, 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 why are you so mad, Philistines? And they say, well, because of Samson. And they say, well, okay, if we give him up to you, are you going to be, are we? So they go, and they get Samson, and Samson surrenders to them. And uh, so we pick up the story there in verse 14. When he came to Leah, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. So now he's all bound up. He's prisoners of the Philistines. And then the third time, the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and the rope that his bonds melted off his hand, and he found a fresh jawbone. Why fresh? Why that adjective? Because an old jawbone would have torn to pieces. It would have broken after the first skull that he broke. So he had a fresh one that would endure, unless that's an interesting. So he found a fresh jawbone on a, of a donkey, and he put his hand and took it, and with it he struck a thousand men. And Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, have I struck down a thousand men. So we see three times in chapter 14 and 15, the Spirit of the Lord rushes upon him. However, in chapter 16, we see him compromising more and more. We no longer see that phrase ever again of Samson. The Spirit of the Lord never rushes upon him like this again. Now, I believe as a believer we receive the Holy Spirit this side of Pentecost. But we can grieve the Holy Spirit and we can go and begin to live more and more away from God and more and more on our independent way rather in the spirit and the power of God. Let me ask you a question. Are you living in your own strength? Are you living, or have you become a customer, have you become a customer living in your own strength? Or are you living a life, a manner of life under the power of God? We can live a very go-to-church kind of mentality. We can live a, I got all the answers. I can give you when I came to know Jesus. But there's a difference in that and living in such a way as you're living under the power of the Holy Spirit every day of your life. And that's when you truly fulfill your mission for God. We go on. And in fact, uh, a verse just to look up later, Zechariah 4, 6, when Zerubbabel and Joshua were building the temple and they were trying to get everything together, the Lord said, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. If you re- that's the way you're going to accomplish something for me. And that is true then, and it is true today. We go on now to the final chapter, in chapter 16. So Samson comes to, to chapter 16. And in chapter 16, we see Samson acting more and more on his own and increasingly falling out of touch with God. And as we travel through chapter 16, we see in verses 1 through 3 that he gets involved with a prostitute down in Gaza. We see his moral life, his compromise, his manner of life getting more and more compromised. And then we come to verse 4, to the most famous of all the stories, he meets a woman named Delilah. So let's pick it up in verse 10 of chapter 16. After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the, and, and the Lord of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Seduce him, 
and see where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him that we may bind him to humble him and we, and we will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. I want to share with you that this world has one thing in mind and that is to seduce you, to overpower you, and to humble you. It is not your friend. And you can sit there and you can flirt with the world. You can say, hey, Delilah, wink, Samson. We can flirt and we say it's an innocent flirting. So we can say, hey, substance, I need a little help here. I need a little help to get through the day because of what I'm going through. And we can flirt with the world and the system of this world. But let me tell you something. If you do that, you will be, the world does not want to be your friend. It wants to seduce you. It wants to overcome you. And it wants to humble you. And it's want, wanting to do a lot more to you. And we're going to see what it did to, to, to Samson. It wants to do that same thing to you. So if you are flirting with immorality or if you're flirting at the workplace or if you're, if you're flirting with substances, if you're flirting with, uh, with dishonesty, you say, well, everybody does that. Everybody cheats on that business deal. That is flirting with the world, and that is just the first step into a relationship with the world, and that worldly system will conquer you, and it will humble you, and it will do many tragic things for you and your family. Let's go back to this. And we see the story continues, uh, uh, and, and you see that... Um, the Philistines give her, uh, say, we're promising you 1,100 silver coins. Samson not wanting to reveal the secret of his hair being this gift from God that his, his, his that Nazarite vow, the spirit of God was his strength. It's just the Nazarite vow was a symbol of that. And Samson not wanting to reveal the secret teases her and toys with her about his strength. However, after much nagging, Samson tells Delilah the truth that he will lose his strength if he loses his hair. And then we pick up the, the story in verse 22 uh, about um, his, uh, what goes on with him. Let, in fact, let's p uh, pick it up in verse 18. Let's pick it up in verse 18. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sinned and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come again, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came to her, and brought the money in her in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees. Notice the intimacy of the world with Samson. And she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to torment him. Interesting. She began to torment him and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. What a sad, sad statement. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And, and, the, and he ground at the mill in the prison. What a sad, sad story. This judge, this mighty man of potential, this mighty man of mission had been seduced by the world. They gouged out his eyes. They bound him up. They cut his hair.
gave him any hope. Look at that last verse there in verse 22. But the hairs of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. God allowed this hair to begin to grow. This, and what a symbol of just there was still hope. And I'm here to tell you as long as you have breath, your story is not finished. And you may have compromised. You may be sitting here today and you have an addiction. You may be sitting here and you've been flirting at work with somebody. You can, there is hope. It's, God wants your story to finish well. And that's what we're going to do now. We're going to look at the death of Samson. Chapter 16, beginning in verse 23. Now the Lord of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. You know, I was thought about this last night. I was running this. God is a jealous God. And the gods of this world, God wants to dominate, and he wants to dominate them through your life. And if you've got a God of this world, small g, that's dominating your life, God wants to enter in, and he wants to suppress that for his glory. He wants to bring down that God that's in your life so that he can reign supreme for the glory uh, of his name. And it says, Our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when they, and the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, Our God has given our enemy into our hand and the revenger, of our, the revenger of our country who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, they said, Call Samson that, we, that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of prison and he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars. And I want to stop there and say, You know, this world doesn't care about you. All this world wants to do is seduce you and make you its entertainment. And if you think, oh, no, no, the world's my friend. You don't understand my friends at work. You know, I understand when I go to that bar or I go to that place, when I live in that immorality, <laughs> no, they're, they're, we are true friends. They are making you its entertainment. And as a child of God, they're saying, our God is so great, and you, your God is being defiled. It wants to make you its entertainment, but it's not your friend. How many times we see people that say, I love this substance or I love this relationship and it wrecks their marriage, it wrecks their life. Satan is a liar and the father of lies. He came to steal, kill, and destroy and he does it through this world system and it wants to make you its entertainment. We pick up the story there in verse 26 and Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars on which the house rests that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me. And please strengthen me only with strength, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. I'm reminded in Revelation when God, God says to the church of Ephesus, remember your first love. Repent and return to me. If there's some, one of you here today that you've lost your first love and you need to call out to the Lord, let me tell you something. The great news is God wants to be called on. He wants to come into your life. He wants to empower your life again. 
he wants to be your first love. the house rested and he leaned his weight against them his right hand on one and his left hand on the other and Samson said let me die with the Philistines and then he bowed with all his strength and the house fell upon the board and upon all the people who were in it so the dead who were killed at his death were more than those who were killed during his lifetime then his brothers and all his family came down and took him and buried him and, and buried him between Zorah Eshcol in the tomb of Manoah's father. He had judged Israel for 20 years. We come to a conclusion here. And the conclusion is this. You have been brought into this world by God. And before you stands a manner of life and a mission. Let me ask you. Are you pouring in godliness and holiness and saying yes to God and no to this world? If you are, your mission will rise to the glory of God. If you begin to compromise and demand your own way, your mission begins to fall. I am calling you as one of your pastors. Who's your first love? Are you at a place where you are living with total commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ? We each have to, or we'll stand before him one day and I'm here just to challenge you. Maybe you need to come today and say, you know, Joe, what you're saying sounds good, but I'm not a follower of Jesus. I want God and because this world is just decimating my life. Maybe you need to come and say, I need to follow Jesus. I need to become a believer. You come today. Maybe you're here today and you say, Joe, I, I've been flirting with the world. I've been flirting with the world and I've been buying into the world system and I need to stop doing that because I want to have a manner of life that's glorifying to him and I want to have a mission, an eternal mission for God. Maybe you need to come today and just say, just use this as an altar. To ease. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you say, you know, I got a friend, I got a family member whose eyes are gouged out and they're, they're just entertaining the world. Maybe you need to come here and pray for a family member. The hair's still growing hope. You have breath. This is your chance. It's time to hit the stage. No longer flirting with the world. No longer being seduced by the world. I'm going to live for God. Would you stand? Father, as we come to this time, I pray your Holy Spirit will just touch each person, Father, where they are. God, I can't live anybody else's life, but I know for me, I want to live for you. I don't want to compromise. I don't want to demand my own way. I don't want to go against the commitments I've made to you just for convenience sake. Father God, deal with this issue. Lord, that the world may know there is a God, if not Dagon, it is God the Holy.